Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. California's leaders love to talk about green energy, but oil companies still have a lot of power here, including in the Bay Area. And just like everywhere else, it's difficult to truly hold them accountable for their actions, including what they do at their Richmond refinery, where two major incidents release toxins into the air and water. Environmentalists in the Bay Area have long been trying to chip away at the power that oil companies have in the Bay Area. It is a bit of David and Goliath there. I mean, you know, Chevron's huge. Those living near Chevron's refineries are not happy with their oil-producing neighbor, and there always seems to be this looming concern of another dangerous flare-up or spill. Today, why it's so hard to stop fossil fuel companies from polluting. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. How many times do you think you've reported stories like these? That's a tough one, Devin. I feel like... um you know, since I began really looking at Chevron in the Bay Area maybe a dozen times. This is Ted Goldberg, senior editor at KQED. He's been covering refineries in the Bay Area for years, including these most recent accidents with Chevron. So in the last few years, there's been an increase in flaring incidents at Chevron. Basically, if they're is a problem uh, inside the refinery, and the refinery needs to relieve pressure based on that problem, they send gases to their flares. The air district and uh, refinery companies, oil companies, you know, they say that these are safety devices. Hey, we need to stop everything and make the situation neutral, and that may mean that we will release gases into the air, but this kind of method makes things a lot safer than if we didn't have this kind of a method. In early November, in fact, the day before the election, there was a significant flaring incident. In the East Bay, Chevron says today's flaring at its Richmond refinery this afternoon was caused by a power outage at a processing unit. The company says flaring helps keep the refinery running safely by releasing pressure. It was a power outage that was caused by a mistake at the refinery that ended up causing several days of flaring on and off over the next week. And the amount of sulfur dioxide that Chevron released in this particular incident was more uh, than all other refineries released in the year 2019. And it's about the same amount that Chevron did in the entire year. It also released thousands of pounds of methane and, and other chemicals. Did people go to the hospital? No. But if you live near the refinery and you see all of this, 
you know, it's quite scary. Sometimes it can make loud noises. And, and, and a lot of times people are looking at, you know, flames and smoke coming from their next door neighbor in Richmond, and they don't know if it's a major problem, how significant it is, or what caused it. After, you know, that, there was another flaring incident earlier this year. And then, of course, the spill that took place earlier this month at the wharf. Tell me about the spill. So uh, February 9th, uh, in the early afternoon, somebody in the area of the, the Chevron Richmond Long Wharf, it's a major operating spot for the refinery. Somebody in that area, not Chevron, noticed a sheen of oil on the surface of the water. Minutes go by, Chevron gets word of it. They start to activate a response. They report the incident to uh, local and state officials and the U.S. Coast Guard, and all of a sudden, you know, a significant amount of tension around the Bay Area is placed on this particular part of San Francisco Bay. Richmond Mayor Tom Butt describes what he saw this morning. Aboard a Coast Guard helicopter, an unmistakable sheen in the water from the Chevron Wharf in his city, all the way up to San Pablo Bay. They put out a lot of booms to keep it from coming ashore. They are bringing skimmers in today to try to skim off what they can off the It was a health alert. It was causing fumes, you know, an odor to go into the city of Richmond. Just last week, you heard people at the Richmond City Council meeting mention that they could smell the fumes coming from the incident. And, you know, little by little, the situation sort of uh, eased a bit. Um, but the cleanup, you know, and, and response to it lasted a few weeks. And this is San Francisco Bay. This is an ecological jewel. I feel like I've heard this story a lot, too, from you specifically. So why does this keep happening? So if you talk to somebody like Supervisor John Joy, he's a Contra Costa County supervisor. He represents the area of registered board and refinery safety um, has been an issue for him, you know, for a significant amount of his career. And what he'll say to you is, and the air district data does bear this out, that years ago, the amount of chemicals that were coming from Bay Area refineries, especially in that county, was a lot more than it is today. And they did put in place regulations about minimizing flares. And the refineries say, hey, we've done a really good job of, of reducing that. And there is some data to support that. But tell that to people who see these flares every few weeks. And you can see the evidence on social media and you can hear the evidence at the Richmond City Council meetings. People don't like living next to this kind of industry. Burning fossil fuels is killing us. It's a keep repeating the same uh, problem over and over several are negligent. Y para que asegure, asegurarnos de que continuemos haciendo que Chevron sea responsable de estos incidentes. Unfortunately, as someone who grew up in Richmond, you know, this is not the first time I've experienced Keller Beach being closed due to an incident at the refinery. How many more generations will suffer from the historic and disproportionate harm caused by Chevron? Why does this keep happening? The, the real reason is because Despite the fact that California says it wants to move away from fossil fuel, it hasn't done it yet. And significant number of vehicles on the road right now rely on gasoline. And companies like Chevron know that there's that demand. And they supply that demand because that is their bottom line. So as long as we are driving gas-powered cars and we want to buy gasoline, these kinds of things are going to happen. Many environmental activists who've been putting pressure on Chevron for years 
say that the real long-term solution is just to get away from fossil fuels entirely and to move to green energy, while also protecting workers in the fossil fuel industry. It's often called a just transition. If that happens, it'll take a lot of time and investment. And in the meantime, there are other obstacles that make it harder to hold companies like Chevron accountable right now. Chevron and the oil industry in, in California has donated to Republicans and Democrats for years. And, you know, uh, environmentalists and experts and others will say that's why proposals like Senator Bill Dodd's from a few years ago to increase air quality fine amounts for refineries didn't even get a hearing. There are other things that the oil industry has lobbied the legislature to stop. You know, there was a, um, a proposal last year to try to create more space between oil drilling sites and communities. And uh, it wasn't just Republicans that stopped that bill from moving forward. There were several moderate Democrats who reporters later revealed had gotten contributions from the oil industry who voted no on that. So, you know, while California has very, you know, big goals and, and has invested a significant amount of resource to move away from a fossil fuel, you know, it is not an easy task to be done, you know, when the oil industry needs to flex its muscles to protect itself. So I know for you as a reporter, there's also just, you know, the problem of getting information, especially with flaring incidents. Can you explain some of the issues you've had with that? You know, actually, it's interesting. I think several years ago, you and I uh, on this very program yeah. did a story and I said something to the effect of what will happen is you'll have a flaring incident. Uh, and Chevron will tell people that it's at a processing unit. They won't provide a lot of information. Tom Butt will say something. He's the mayor of Richmond. And uh, the situation will go away. And years later, the Air District will announce a settlement. That settlement will not include specifics. It will not gain a lot of attention because it's not a breaking news story at that time. And so the big frustration comes because we don't really learn all of the details that we want to learn about why something happens. We've put in public records requests before for the settlements that the air district and refinery companies have engaged in. And because they're part of private settlements, we've been rejected with that information. You know, I, I've been working on this beat for a while. I have yet to see the full findings of an air district investigation into a refinery accident my entire career. Hmm. What's concerning about that? We are relying pretty much on Chevron to tell us why there was a problem at Chevron. You know, unless it's a major chemical incident, right? Like the Chevron fire from a few years ago that sent thousands of people to the hospital. Those findings are released. It has to reach a really significant level for us to see the findings from a government agency as it relates to a refinery accident. Most of these other incidents that we're seeing on a regular basis, you know, we, we pretty much are just seeing what Chevron says. All right, Ted, so bring us back to the most recent news with Chevron. What could accountability look like right now? And do you think it's going to look any different? So there was a moment that caught my attention at last week's Richmond City Council meeting when Randy Sawyer, who is a top official at the Contra Costa County Health Services Agency, which basically runs its hazardous materials program, he revealed at the council meeting that they plan to pay a third-party contractor, independent contractor, to investigate the oil spill. What we understand is... It's possible that state fish and game 
didn't get word of the oil spill until close to an hour later. I heard this at the Richmond City Council meeting last week, and I've heard this from Councilwoman Claudia Jimenez. And Jimenez said, I want to know about the timeline. Sharon was aware uh, at 2.30, uh, but the OSPR wasn't notified until 3.25. So that gap, why that gap? Councilmember Jimenez pressed Randy Sawyer at this meeting and said, and, and she said, I want that. Can that be answered in the in the investigation, he said yes. Can, can in that investigation, um, can you add the questions that we have here, like that Ben uh, asked here, so we can have these answers? I believe we can, so if you just send it, send it to me, we'll, we'll include it as part of the, the proposal. Okay, thank you. Anyone else have anything? I, I don't remember in my career ever hearing an elected official, local elected official, tell a county, county representative, during your investigation, I want this question answered. And so, you know, in that particular regard, you know, it's possible that a moment of pressure from Councilmember Jimenez might get to a detail that may or may not have been there before. I don't know. Um, so, yes, what, what might be different, I think, in this particular incident, you have pressure from somebody like Councilmember Jimenez, who is really taking, trying to take Chevron to task and has the support of many people in, you know, in the community of Richmond and environmentalists. So it's possible. But, you know, it is a bit of David and Goliath there. Environmentalists in the Bay Area have long been trying to chip away at the power that oil companies have in the Bay Area. Any local city council meeting, when any incident about a refinery comes up, you'll hear people like Andros Soto, who is a member of the Communities for Better Environment, who is a who has done research and advocated for more refinery safety and a just transition. These folks are showing up at these meetings, and it's not new to them. You know, for over a hundred years, Chevron has polluted not only our air and our water, but our politics, and they're completely unrepentant about it. And we need to get answers, and then once we have some answers, we need to get some real action. The movement to get Chevron to be more accountable and possibly to find a way to sh for Chevron to change its business model, you know, has been around for a few years. Another member of the Richmond City Council uh, is Gail McLaughlin, who used to be the mayor. She's a Green Party member, and, you know, she's pushing for this just transition as well. That said, you know, I'm not hearing from Chevron that they're going to move away from processing petroleum at the Richmond refinery anytime soon. So you've been reporting on this for years. What's the most important thing you want listeners to know about this story? That they don't need to rely on me for this reporting. There are some things that they can do to get information, you know, that I do. Um, and I'm going to tell you something that's a little bit nerdy. The California Office of Emergency Services has a hazardous spill database. I believe I may be one of the few people <laughs> on the universe that boringly looks at it every now and then. But if you ever want to, you know, take a look at that, they, they, you know, refineries have to put in entries about what's, you know, if there's a reportable incident. So if you see something at a refinery, you can go onto the Cal OES website and see what's there. You can go onto the Air District website and see the causal flare reports. All of this is public information. You can attend a Richmond City Council meeting or a Benicia City council meeting or a Martina city council meeting or the air district board meeting. The Contra Costa County supervisors also, you know, uh, discusses this kind of thing. These are all places where you can get a lot more information than you're going to see in an article written by Ted Goldberg. <laughs> Ted, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Anytime, Devin.
Ted says that there's one more group you should contact if you think this is important, and that's us. If you're affected by this issue or you think that the Bay Area needs to know more about this, tell us why and you can actually help us shape our coverage. Editorial priorities shouldn't just come from people like me. They should come from the people in the community. And if people in the community pressure us, it's possible that, you know, that could increase coverage of it. And if one news organization does it, another news organization does it. And if I'm doing it, maybe somebody else can do it. Join us in, in prioritizing that as an editorial piece of coverage, because the more the merrier. Ted Goldberg is a senior editor at KQED. This episode was produced by Erica Cruz Guevara, Shailen Martos, myself, and our editor, Alan Monticilio. We're made by your local public media station, KQED. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it from us. Talk to you next time. Hey, John Favreau here. There's no shortage of political takes in 2024, but quantity doesn't cut it. We need a better conversation about the latest biggest election of our lives. On Pod Save America, me and my co-host cut through the noise to help you figure out what matters and how you can help. Every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, Pod Save America is breaking down the political news that makes us laugh, cry, and snap our laptops in half. Expensive year for laptops. Make sure to check out new episodes of Pod Save America on your favorite podcast platform or our YouTube channel now. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Every Thursday, I'm getting the inside take from the best reporters in the country on what figures like Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, and Marjorie Taylor Greene are doing. I think she wants to make things happen. She wants to get legislation passed. She made clear to me that she wants to have a president who upholds Christian values. She embraces the term Christian nationalist. That's Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Available wherever you get your podcasts.